Do you feel like you need God's encouragement and wisdom throughout the week to take hold of His promise to fly like an eagle? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Eagles on the Hill. Let's join our host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. Hey, people, I am your host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the podcast. On this edition, we're going to uh, kind of follow up on what we've done on a couple previous podcasts. One was about Israel and what the name Israel actually means in the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments. And another one was about the rapture. Uh, Both of those occasioned by some requests to talk about those things uh, from people who have heard a very prominent, prevalent teaching in American Christianity called dispensationalism. And uh, dispensationalism has some, some different new answers to those questions, uh, new as of the 19th, end of the 19th century, that is, uh, new from the previous 19th centuries of Christianity. And so um, since I used to be a dispensationalist, used to believe those teachings, I kind of have a sense of what they are and how I came to believe that they were incorrect, since uh, we all, no matter who you are, whether you know it or not, if you're a Christian, you have Christian friends who are dispensationalists who believe these teachings, Uh, Good, godly Christian people believe these things. And so we wanted to take a look at them. And today, take a look at the millennium, another very prominent, prevalent teaching in dispensationalism. So just to refresh our memories, uh, dispensationalism is a uh, teaching that began in the late 19th century by a guy named John Darby in England, uh, right around the same time as the uh, Mormon theology was getting started and the Jehovah's Witness theology. Neither one of them, of course, is Christian. John Darby was a Christian, but came up with a new um, theory of dispensations throughout history and uh, began to weave some new theology into that, a new framework of looking at scripture. So um, when you think of something new after 19 centuries, chances are it might not be right. And indeed, in his case, it's not, but nevertheless, it's very persuasive. So it's taught at Dallas Theological Seminary, Uh, also taught, and some of you may have, Ryrie Study Bibles or Schofield Reference Bibles at home. Others of you have read um, one or more of the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. And so that's kind of where it's popularized of uh, recent past. So we want to take a look at the millennium today. And uh, actually, I want to make the contention that I am coming to you from the millennium, that we are living in the biblical millennium. And that may sound strange because you look around and see so many uh, evil, terrible, horrible things happening. You say, how could we be living in the millennium? I was hoping for something better. Well, guess what? I believe we're living in the millennium. And I'm going to show you why based on scripture. So let's uh, let's dive in. Let's take a look. The only place that the millennium is specifically carefully mentioned in the Bible is Revelation chapter 20. And so um, I will say this. Um, when, a, when a teaching is mentioned only really once, it's zeroed in on in Scripture as the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, um, probably not all that important, and yet it's become very important in uh, modern America as we look uh, just fascinated by the end time. So here we go, Revelation chapter 20. Let's take a look. Verse 1, John writes, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, the millennium. So Satan is bound for a thousand years during the millennium. Certainly doesn't look like Satan's bound today, does it? Well, let's keep going. Verse 3, he threw Satan into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until a thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So-called Satan's little season there. 
Verse four, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Wow. Talk about that in a second. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. And then it goes on to talk a little further. So there you have it. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. So let's take a look at this. Uh, specifically, first, we need to talk about how to interpret the book of Revelation, because there's this conflict, this idea that, uh, you know, should we take it literally or should we take it figuratively? And I don't buy into that at all. I believe that we should take each book of Scripture and each word of Scripture and understand it based on the intended sense of the author. In other words, how does the author intend for us to understand it? This isn't new with me, but there you go. It's there. Uh, so, for instance, to give an example from modern day, if on the front page of the newspaper you would see a picture of an elephant kicking a donkey, because it's on the front page of the newspaper, your initial impression would be that something happened wrong with the local zoo and an elephant got out and started kicking a donkey. That's the intended sense of the author. You see the same picture, however, on the political cartoon page. And what do you think the intended sense of the author would be with that picture on the political cartoon page? Well, clearly the intended sense of the author there is that an elephant, the Republican Party, kicked or somehow was victorious over the donkey, the Democrat Party. So depending on what kind of literature it is, front page of the newspaper or political cartoon depends on how you read it and what the intended sense of the author is. The same is true with the book of Revelation and any other book in scripture. So the thousand years in Revelation, numbers in Revelation, which is a genre of literature called apocalyptic literature, numbers are do not generally mean or have numerical values. They don't lead us in that direction, but they lead us toward meanings. And so the number 10, for instance, in apocalyptic literature, the number 10 is the number of fullness, completeness. And when you multiply numbers, it makes them just bigger and that much uh, greater. And so 10 times 10 times 10 is like really full, really complete, the whole amount, a thousand years. So we should understand the thousand years not as a numerical value because it's this is not a thousand years in the Gospel of Mark, for instance, the front page of the newspaper. This is a thousand years in the political cartoon section, Revelation, apocalyptic literature. We should understand a thousand years to be the full, complete, total amount of time. So Revelation chapter 20, Satan is bound for this full, complete, total amount of time. And well, what does that mean? It doesn't look like Satan is bound. Now, what, what, let's look further. Verse 3, Satan is bound specifically in one area to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore. The nations, we understand that as countries, but that's not what it is in the original. And the, a Jewish person doesn't think that way. John's a Jew writing this. Jesus is a Jew. To keep him from deceiving the goyim, the Gentiles, anymore. That's what it's talking about. So when Satan is bound, what happens? He can no longer deceive the Gentiles. What would we expect to happen when Satan is bound? We would expect that hundreds, thousands, millions of Gentiles would no longer be deceived, but would be flowing into the kingdom of God, coming to faith in Jesus. Well, when did that happen? My goodness, it's happened already, even today. 
thousands upon thousands of Gentiles coming to faith in Africa every day uh, throughout these last 2,000 years since the time of Jesus. Millions, even billions of Gentiles have come to faith in Jesus. That never happened before the time of Jesus. So at some point during Jesus' ministry, Satan is bound. It just seems because what the evidence of that is, is that the nations, the Goyim, the Gentiles, are no longer deceived, and many, 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 many have come to faith in Jesus. Well, actually, it turns out Jesus said that very thing in Matthew chapter 12. The only other place in Scripture where Satan is said to be bound is in Matthew chapter 12. Let's take a look. Matthew 12, verse 25. Remember, Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture doesn't never contradict itself. It interprets it. It helps us understand it. So here we go, Matthew 12, verses 25 to 29. Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. You thought Abraham Lincoln thought that up, but he actually got it from Jesus. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, then by who do your people drive them out? So they will be your judges. But, Jesus says, if, the, if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here we go. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up or binds, the same word in the original, first ties up a strong man, then he can plunder his house. Jesus is claiming that he, in his ministry, is tying up or binding the strong man, that's Satan. So Jesus is binding Satan, and then he can plunder his house. So Jesus, in his earthly ministry, is tying up or binding the strong man, Satan, and now is going to plunder his house. For the last 2,000 years, we've seen the evidence of Jesus plundering the house of Satan. Literally over a billion Gentiles, no longer deceived, coming into the kingdom of God. That never happened before the time of Jesus. So, well, what does that mean? That means that we are living in the millennium. We're living in that time when Satan can no longer deceive the nations. We're living in that time when we, if we have Gentile neighbors, can and should be sharing Jesus with our neighbors with the expectation that Satan can no longer deceive them, that the Holy Spirit will work powerfully, mightily through the gospel of Jesus to bring our neighbors to faith. What a great joy that is. Now let's go back, though, and look at something else that we read in that Revelation chapter 20 passage that might have caught you off guard during the millennium, in verse 4, it says, The souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. We can't cover all of this, but here's where I want to cover. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So these people who have been martyred for the faith came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Then it says the rest of the dead, did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. What's being talked about here? Well, the first resurrection is the resurrection that, if you're a Christian, you and I have experienced as we've been raised from death to life by faith in Jesus Christ. You remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are born dead in trespasses and sins. The scripture says we've been made alive through faith in Christ. That is the first resurrection. So we what Revelation is talking about here is that we have come to life by faith in Christ and now reign with Christ for the millennium. For this time period, we are reigning with Christ. Other scriptures 
would back that up and support that. This is the first resurrection. John continues in verse 6, Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy are those, indeed we are blessed and holy, who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, that is, eternal death. Oh, we're going to, most of us, die here on this earth, the first death. But the second death, eternal death, has no power over us. We will be priests of God and of Christ and continue to reign with him throughout this time. Now, when this time is over, verse 7 says, Revelation 20, verse 7, Satan will be released from his prison, and that is called Satan's little season. So Christians throughout the ages have wondered whether we are still in the millennium, that is, whether the gospel of Christ has free reign and Satan can no longer deceive the nations, or whether we have now moved into Satan's little season. It certainly seems like, if you look around at the churches of Europe, for instance, that we've moved into Satan's little season. The people of Europe, by and large, are deceived. On the other hand, if you look at churches in Africa, as I mentioned earlier, thousands coming to faith in Christ, it looks like for all the world, like we're still in the millennium. So it's hard for Christians to judge where we are in that. But I would say, based on the spread of the gospel, uh, that we are still in the millennium. We are still in that time when Satan can no longer deceive the nations. So uh, that's the word for today, an encouragement to us to be sharing Jesus with our neighbors, particularly well, of course, Jewish neighbors as well, but Gentile neighbors also, because Satan can no longer deceive them. So let's share the gospel of Jesus with the great hope that uh, the Holy Spirit will work mightily and bring them also to faith in Christ as we are. Thanks for listening today. Uh, we want to encourage you to write us at eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts about this podcast or ideas for other podcasts that you'd like us to uh, talk about, topics you'd like us to tackle. Remember that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly on wings like eagles. And we encourage you to claim that promise of God for you today. Thanks for listening.